Welcome to Rambouillet Gourmet Rambling. I'm your host, Quasi Joe Blow. This uh, episode today is going to uh, be about COVID and what it's like to work in the daycare environment, dealing with kids and parents, and just how things have changed on that front. So this is a friend and a neighbor of mine. And uh, how long have you done it, Marla? Uh, in child care since yeah. I was 16, and I'm 44 now, so... Okay, so she has a wide range of experiences, so she'll definitely be able to, you know, tell us how things have changed and, you know, just from, you know, then to now with the pandemic. So, everyone, Marla, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Good. Yeah. So, um, how long, you said you were doing it when you were 16, right? Yes. Um, it was through, like, a vocational program when I was in high school. So, ordinarily, you would have to be 18 mm-hmm. unless you were involved in some type of program. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was it? I know you went to Wright State. So was it anything? Uh, was your major in childhood education or anything? It was an early childhood education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what took? The, what was the interest you had in working with children? Did you? Uh-huh. Did you like working with them? Did they? You know, did kids really take to you? What was it about it that even started it? Um, honestly, my mom was a, a teacher's aide for the Columbus Public Schools. Yeah. And it was almost like all I knew. Yeah. And she also kept kids in the home and things like that. Um, And then, like I said, by the time I reached high school, they offered programs, you know, to kind of get people a career path. And one of them was um, early childhood education. So I had a lot of exposure then and it was comfortable. And that's where I've been since. So with um, working with kids, I know because what's the lowest and the the young, well, the youngest and the oldest age range? Like is the youngest been two years old up to 13 or? Um, In most centers, because they all vary. Uh but. (laughs) <laughs> for monetary reasons, most centers will um, accept from ages six weeks to 12 years. Okay. And then um, some centers, like, primarily will do only infants or, you know, some centers might not have infants. So it, it varies, but that's usually the, the average range is six weeks to 12 years. So what's your, been your general experience in working with kids? Like, what has been the one thing you've probably taken away the most? Because that's a pretty wide range. So you've worked with all those age ranges? Yes. So what has been, like, what's been your experience, you know, dealing with so many different type of kids? I mean, especially for, you know, I mean, kids, I mean, kids seem different five years ago as they are to what they are now. It seems like it's constantly changing with kids. So what's been your take from it, working with them? Yeah. So, yeah, that's, it's a big spectrum. Yeah. Um, and then you have to keep in mind that I, too, was getting older. So imagine a 16-year-old in the frame of mind you have then yeah. compared to now being 44. Yeah. But things... uh they that's a pretty long show probably for yeah. to talk but i mean uh the takeaways um one of the things that kind of i don't want to say irritates me but makes me kind of upset is that those years are very formative and the industry itself is kind of looked at as you know babysitters mm. and True, you know, you're supposed to be looking out for their health and safety, but there's so much more in between that, you know, is required, which is why they don't really, which is why there's been an initiative to have people be educated and not just, you know, go in there and work in that daycare center and take, no, because there's a lot of social emotional things. Um, Now there's a lot of mandates that, you know, in order to receive federal money, you know, you have to have certain requirements at places. So those things, I will say, have changed over the years. It used to be more lax. And as time went by and people could start saying, like, you know, this is an important time 
for yeah. children, you know, for an, a human. And so they started investing more into, you know, what goes into being with small children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, because we were talking about everything with COVID and uh, so, you know, it seemed like it changed everything. Like, you know, it wasn't something that just targeted any one person. Everybody got a piece of it. What was the biggest thing that COVID brought about? Because I know, are people real cautious work in daycares now? Or is I know because that's just like where kids just kind of run around and, yeah. you know, everything's going on. <laughs> so is it like what's changed or what like what or, or can you tell us what's been your experience maybe like two months before COVID mm-hmm. came around and then what began to happen after that? So I can say pre-COVID, it's hard to think of pre-COVID, but yeah. <laughs> pre-COVID, um, one thing that people probably are aware of, but kids, they don't have a sense of personal space ever yeah. and, and you can't work in childcare or with small children and have to have personal space yeah because it's not what they do yeah. they're in your face because they're kids you're down on their level because you know you have to be able to speak with them and mm-hmm. communicate um so uh that was one of the biggest now i guess i should go back um life was like for everyone you know as usual and then boom COVID hit and then all these things all of a sudden got magnified, like, oh, no, what about this? What about that? Yeah. And um, I don't know if people were aware, but at least in Ohio, uh, child care centers did not close right away. I was wondering, I didn't know, did they, how long did they stay closed? Um, well, it's hard for me to, so they didn't close. So for me, just from my perspective, you know, you hear about COVID and you're like, oh, man. And just from having that uh Working in childcare is the land of cooties. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And and you have to accept that and know that if you're going to be working there. And even right. if you're going to send your child there, you have to know they're going to get sick at first. And yeah. then they kind of build up some immunity. But with COVID being such a mystery, I was like, you know, I've seen strep pass through here like wildfire. Yeah. Um what is COVID going to do? Like, we got to get out of here. You know, it was kind of like, when are y'all going to get us out of here? And places were closing. I mean, even there were places that were closing that I thought, man, you know, what about childcare? You know, waiting for the governor to announce that. Yeah. But then I had to get out of myself because then I realized uh, people still had to work. Mm -hmm. And imagine their panic of where's my kid going to go? Yeah. And then in hindsight, um, as I think, because I am back at work now, yeah. but because of communicable diseases, I mean, we have to take in services on that, for goodness sakes, um, to keep you abreast on what to do. So we were always washing hands. When mm. the children came in, part of their drop-off was their parents need to go over to the sink, wash their hands, get mm. them settled in. Uh, we washed hands, you know, on, upon entry, before eating, after the restroom, if they wiped their nose, they had to go wipe their or wash their hands. If we went outside when they came in, so we were doing that a lot anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know that the general public is kind of yucky, and they don't do those things. Yeah. So that made me feel a little, a little more comfortable because we were always bleaching and dis- because we had to because there's other things like hand, foot, and mouth and all these different yeah. types. <laughs> so we were already on alert for those things. So yeah. the whole the whole um new protocols wasn't so bad i don't think uh in those in that aspect now the mask wearing is interesting 
for do the kids wear masks all during do they have to keep it on during their time there or do they take it off or so where i am um the infants of course no i mean you know there's certain things they just cannot do that um the yeah. infants and the toddlers do not wear masks okay. the, the employees do okay you get down the hall and then there are preschoolers and that's like three to twelve or you know preschoolers school agers they do wear masks and okay. they're pretty good at it okay, i mean that's... you get cool masks and you get to see it you know and then they just got used to it they're just more adaptable than um adults i mean that's how it is yeah, and yeah. so they they fell into it pretty well so with um Cause I know you know most people have to uh, cause it's like social distancing, mm-hmm. distancing, <laughs> social distancing. So what like do y'all have that? Cause the kids they don't really even understand that a lot of the time. They just you know they're just kicking it. They run around. They have fun. They hug. They wipe their noses mm-hmm. and then they run around. So what like how do how are you guys regulating the kids being able to like play? interact with each other, have some sense of, you know, expression and gesture towards each other, but, you know, not to the point where, you know. Right. So I I guess I would hope that people have to understand it's, you can't. Now, mm-hmm. when they're sitting down for lunch or when, when they're sitting down for activities, then it's easier to, you know, enforce it. Like, okay, you sit here and you do that. Um, and when they're in their different centers, like, we're able to do it. But when you get on that playground... Yeah. There's certain things that we just kind of had to say, hey, we're washing hands, they're wearing masks. You can keep reminding them, but they're kids. And honestly, I think this is the picture for even like the um, elementary schools and middle school. Like, mm. there's only so much you can do real- realistically. Yeah. So, have there been any, um, because have there been any like you know as far as like the you know a lot of kids you know being taken out of there or becoming sick during the COVID have have you guys done a pretty good job at containing what goes on because I think it's pretty amazing that daycares or anything that it seemed like those would be the places like oh my god it's so out of control mm-hmm. like but you know I think if you know you've always seemed to be like you don't have anything crazy to say about what's going on mm-hmm. so have it every you know is it being contained well the kids are they coming up sick. So when COVID first hit the scene and everybody was kind of in like panic mode, the centers did close because really they were just trying to uh, make a plan. Like, what are we going to do? So when the centers opened, they had plans of, you know, it's almost inevitable that somebody's going to get it. Um, They separated, and this is just where I am, so everybody might have a different plan, but they separated the um, kids in like groups. So teachers would never cross from one end of the building to the next so that way if someone got sick and they had to stay in the same classrooms because there used to be a lot of Mm. you know oh we'll go to this classroom at the end of the day when we start combining blah 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 and they had to stop that because you wanted to centralize you know okay if someone was exposed at Mm. least it only affects these people and they would close that portion but the rest of the center could stay open yeah um and and I wasn't even I had I wasn't even working anymore for a while at the beginning of COVID. I myself was like, you know, I'm gonna stay home. Yeah. So I missed out on some of the beginnings of that. But I guess people, when I came back, my question was, how do the parents handle 
being told come get your kid or you yeah. know and I guess most of them did it pretty gracefully because I think they understood being able to have their child back in the center was really kind of like I'm, I don't want to say lucky but fortunate mm. um, knowing how things spread so they said that most parents were cooperative and everybody just played along because what else I mean what are you going to do yeah so I, the one thing that was interesting to me when COVID first hit was how people were so unfamiliar with the process of sanitation and, and everything. So, cause it was, I mean, they really were having to teach grown people how to wash their hands or, I mean, it seemingly they were having to teach people how to think in a certain way that had to do with being aware. And it, it was pretty interesting. Have y'all bumped into a lot of you know, any parents or families that just seem to be like, you know, they don't seem to be aware of the cleanliness or whatever? Um, you know, when the kids cross the threshold into where we are, it's almost like we don't know exactly what goes on in their homes, but at least we know here we're going to follow A, B, and C. Yeah. And so a lot, I won't say like a lot of parents are saying, hey, we, you know, we're washing our house down with bleach, blah, blah, blah. It's not, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell how aware mm. they were, but we know that the children, they knew, they knew, they've known since they were toddlers to, to sneeze in their elbow. They've known how to do that. Yeah. Because there have been germs, you know, it's not new. So yeah. they knew a lot of things, and that's why I was saying the adjustment, you know, the distancing and the mask were the two, like, whoa, that's different. But everything else, they were already falling in line with because that's what we've had to kind of enforce that's just how it is in the in the field so so is one your daycare where they also do like you know learning enrichment do mm -hmm. the children have to go through learning curriculum yeah there's a curriculum um now that's interesting that you say that because a lot of places have you know are required to have curriculum but uh -huh. you um can't just there's certain activities that have had to have been like, oh, we can't do that anymore because of yeah. COVID. Um, but then you have accreditation, um, you know, agencies that come. They haven't in a while, but they come and observe, and they need to see you doing certain things in order to say, okay, you are doing what you're supposed to do. You yeah. get this accreditation. Well, some of the things involve things that, you know, could spread COVID. Yeah, and yeah. so trying to get around that and having people you know, the agencies understand, like, hey, we can't really do this right now because... That's what I was going to ask. Has mm -hmm. it affected the children with the curriculum or anything around that? Certain things, certain things. Um, one of them, which doesn't seem like a big deal to mo most people, is during meal times we would do what's called family-style dining. Mm -hmm. And it was to kind of uh, foster that sense of family time, sitting yeah. down, passing, because a lot of kids might not get that. And not to say anything against families, but they might not have time to yeah. be cooking and having that whole type of atmosphere. So we always did that. We had big bowls of the food. We pass it to the, the neighbor, you know, the next child. And it was nice. Well, you can't do that now. Yeah. Um, and that is one of the elements that, that these types of, you know, accreditation, they look for to see if you're doing that. Well, we can't. And no one can. So... Those, there's a few and the kids miss that the older ones know like hey I want to scoop my own yeah, food and yeah. put it on my plate but they can't they just can't right now yeah so with um, children being because did they seem aware because uh, like because it because I know grown ups were pretty good and stressed out that children they seem like 
you know, something's up or that they kind of have their own world about it? Um, when So when it first came on the scene, as in we weren't even closed yet, like that yeah. really, the children the I was with at the time, I was with preschoolers, and they were aware. Mm. Um, but they weren't traumatized, I think because they really didn't understand maybe the... I guess seriousness of it and plus when they're at school they feel it's normal it was normal yeah. it was safe and that's how they looked at it so mm. so how how has it been with staff and everything have you guys been you know were you guys at each other's throats with stress when you for when it first happened or has it changed the way staff has had to coincide um well at the very beginning there was you know we didn't talk about things in front of the children because of course but there was a lot of just shared glances of, you know, <laughs> the simple sneeze, like, oh, my God, <laughs> just sneeze. Because we didn't, you know, we didn't know. Yeah. And it was it was scary. We actually, people wanted the centers to close because we just didn't know. Yeah. And we felt like we were going to be bringing home things to our families. And uh-huh. we understood the need. But at the same time, you know, you get into your selfish mode of, okay, outside of here I am a person and I have a family too and I you know I don't want to catch COVID or give COVID to someone in my home yeah so does it um because how how big is the staffing team because I know it's broken down into like age groups so do you have like is it like 20 people that you work with as far as the staffing um let's see so at the time I don't believe we were at 20 Okay. Um, and I will say numbers dropped drastically when COVID hit because a lot of parents, um, when the center closed, withdrew their kids because they had to go somewhere. They found like private sitters and things like that. Mm. But then when the building reopened, some of them just stayed with the sitters because it might have been cheaper, first of all. Mm. Um, some people actually lost their spot coming back because when we did reopen, and I forgot to mention that, the ratios went, the numbers went down. You can't, we couldn't have as many kids as we yeah. used to. So then there wasn't a, there wasn't any more slots for some of the people who were there yeah. but decided to. It was, you know, it was bittersweet and I've seen some of the parents you know, out in public, and they, you know, would express how they never wanted to leave. They just, yeah. they had to, and then they couldn't, basically couldn't get back in, so. So has there been any, like, really, because I know when COVID first hit and I went out into the world, people were really, like, annoyed it. You could just see it. There was some, I mean, I remember a lady, at, I think I was at Whole Foods. I mean, she had, looked like she had on a whole rubber suit. Like, mm. she was, what are the parents? Are they pretty paranoid? Are they, you know? People, at this time now, people are over it. Yeah. I mean, they're so numb. Yeah. There's a, a little script, I, I guess I should say, that the other thing is the parents can't even bring their kids into the bib, uh, the, into the center. They have to stop in the little entryway. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, take their temperature. They need to take it with the little thermometer that we have there out there. Show us through the window that they don't have a fever, and then we take them into their classrooms. And that's kind of hard, I think, for the parents because... They used to have the, you know, chance to drop their child off, child off into the room, get them yeah. settled in. And we liked it because you should drop, you know, you should do that. So a lot of those things, the kids have gotten used to, the parents have kind of gotten numb. Everybody's just gotten kind of numb, to be honest. Were they freaking out in the beginning? Like, what were they like when they first, you know, well, you said you weren't yeah, there. Yeah, I wasn't there. So a lot of yeah. that I kind of missed. missed so yeah. when I came back, 
I was more like, oh my goodness. But I noticed that the staff and the kids and the parents seemed kind of like whatever. Okay. This is what it is now. So So I have a question outside of because I think I wondered this about teachers or anybody that work with uh children and then have their own children. What what type of energy like do you have to have a lot of stamina or endurance? Because what, what, you deal with the younger kids, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I when I'm there, I cannot feel tired and I just can't feel tired and lazy. Now at home, I can I can be lazy and feel tired, <laughs> but there it's like something is turned on because you almost you just have to be hypersensitive to you kind of have to have a sixth sense about things. You got to be ahead of a child. Yeah, you got to yeah. foresee things happening, things like that. So. Um, I would say it's a high, you need to have high energy. Yeah. You don't need to be spastic or anything like that, but you you can't just be a, a lump. Yeah, yeah. So, with working with, because um, what is the age group you work with? So, I float. Oh, okay. Because I've, you know, I'm part-time. When I was younger, <laughs> I used to work full-time, uh, usually with toddlers. That was the group that I liked. Yeah. And that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, please. They didn't want to work with the toddlers. Yeah. I found them the most fun. I like them. Yeah. They're my favorite. That's why, my favorite. why would you think so? Well, why do I have fun with them? Yeah. Um, well, because they can, they're beginning to talk and things. They're beginning to do a lot of things. Yeah. Um, there's still things that they're trying to learn and they don't have mastered yet. And uh, one of them is they haven't mastered having like a smart mouth yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I enjoy that part now they come with other things like the whole mind stage biting mm. but it's okay for me that's okay. yeah mm-hmm. so where um because what even was like getting into childhood education something like of like person like you know really being interested in like the was it scientific watching children develop was it more like emotional or does it like you know you just have a liking for kids in general i think one of them was just my experience when i was a kid i loved my primary like like you know kindergarten through yeah. fifth grade that was my favorite yeah I, and i loved everything about it what was it like back then with like what you going to daycare like what was your experiences like so i didn't go to child care i was at home with my mom but my mom oh, okay, kept yeah. kids yeah. Um, what was that like? I remember being, I do remember one of the negatives was being jealous. And that was because you're on your home turf, you know. Yeah. You're sharing your toys oh, yeah, and yeah. your mom. So that was different. But it kept me from being bored. And I have a brother, but, you know, he was he's older than me, so he'd be at school. Yeah. Um. So that part, I don't know if that was as appealing as kindergarten was. Like, I enjoyed that part. Or my mom bringing home things that she needed help cutting out for her classroom. You know, that made me feel like, yeah. you know, it was a big deal. And, yeah, yeah. Um, laminating, all these little things, things like that, just were real appealing to me. So, um, it's spending, you know, the amount of time you have with kids, what has been the, um, suppose, like, if you weren't, like, if you just never did it, and this is probably the third year you hadn't done it yet, what would be a part of you that would be missing? Because, you know, you've gone to school for You have, mm-hmm. you know, ties to with children. You know, just dealing with it with your mom and stuff back when you were a kid. Like, what is the tie to uh, early childhood and everything that keeps you, like, uh, involved in it? So, um, first and foremost, I think most people know it's not money. Yeah. <laughs> you don't make very much. But there is, 
it is very rewarding, yeah. very enriching. And I remember one time, this mother, and I, I forget how old I was, I was probably like 20, yeah. younger. And um, she was coming to pick up her, she had twins, they were little babies. And she said, um, you know, I have to go volunteer to do A, B, and C, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, oh, you know, I was asking her about where she was volunteering and she told me, she said something to me that made me like, it clicked. She said, oh, you don't need to volunteer. Like, she's like, what you do probably feeds your soul. She was like, my job is heartless and you know, I need to get out and be able to interact and help people and feel that way. And so when she said that, I thought about it, about how much it is. You, I mean, so many things happen through the day that are rewarding yeah. um, in that way that it probably does fulfill a need in, you know, in humans that maybe a lot of humans aren't getting yeah. depending on their job. So it is very, uh, it's fulfilling, I guess. So you deal with a lot of mothers, like, mm -hmm. you know, dealing with children, you deal with a lot of mothers, mm -hmm. and uh, especially since you've been doing it since you were young. Mm -hmm. So you've been exposed, to, you know, since 16, right? Mm -hmm. you, you've been exposed, to, if you've been exposed to little kids, you've been exposed to kids who are mothered, kids who aren't mothered, kids who over-mothered, you know, or whatever. It can be, like, did it have an effect on you as far as, like, how you mothered when you became, because you have three kids, so... Did it affect how you wanted to, anything that you learned from being in like tr early childhood education? Did you learn and bring that over into your style of parenting? Um, so there were some things. And so you got to think about if I was younger, you know, when you're 16 yeah. through, uh, I don't know, you think you know everything. Yeah. So there were things that I would see that I'd be like, mm, you know, when I have kids, I'm not going to do that. Or, you know, so I would say all these little murmurings in my head. But when I had kids, there was a door opened in my heart that I was like, uh-oh, this is different than being a caregiver. Like, yeah. so there might have been a few things that I, you know, brought in. And those were basic things like maybe knowing when the child is sick, uh, how to do those types of things. But as far as like emotional things, and it was just a whole different. Yeah. But I mean, you. It, it it humbled me because I realized, you know, oh, I thought I knew knew everything. And, you know, I yeah. thought, oh, that mom shouldn't have done that like that. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> now I have a different viewpoint in it, you know. So there were basic things that I brought over, I guess, but nothing really, um, like, discipline-wise. And all, all of that kind of just on the fly. And I would say most of that was influenced from just my childhood, like my yeah, parents. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think I really brought too much into... So it was separate for you. You could yeah. just... Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought it was going to be the same. Like I said, being young and not knowing, you know, I, I thought I had it all mapped out. Like, oh, okay, this is how my kids are going to do. And, blah, blah. Yeah. and then they were born, and I was like, oh. It never goes... <laughs> <laughs> right. This is not as easy as, you know, other people that you think it is. Because at the end of the day, we went home. You know, if, yeah, yeah. if you don't have a child, um, you clocked out. And you could be into yourself, basically. Yeah. You didn't have anyone that you needed to help. And and it, it's just different. It's a different thing. So after you became a mother and, you know, like I, you've had these experiences as a kid, you even went to school and everything, 
and then you become a mother, did that affect how you did your job? Like how you looked at the children themselves after you began, you know, becoming like a seasoned mom and you have been doing it for a while? Yeah, I will say in that aspect, there wasn't, that did influence yeah. how I how I viewed the children and how I, you know, worked with them and their and their parents. Yeah. And I think it made me understand some of the, the parents' moves sometimes mm. because then I could, you know, relate because I was a parent too. Yeah. Do you... um. Are there, because I know like with childcare, there's like, because it's always been interesting to me is that there are people who don't have kids mm -hmm. and they work a lot in childcare a lot of the time. Have you seen that with people who work in childcare don't have a kid? Is it a different effect with the, how the kids deal with them? And uh, Because mothers, no matter who they are, they just seem to carry an energy. You know, they mm -hmm. could say shut up a certain <laughs> way. You're like, you could be a grown man and you're like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, so, you know, mm -hmm. did, um. Is there a difference in, like, you know, the mothering energy with the children? Because I think all mothers, when they deal with children, they kind of come. It seems like they kind of come from they can use that energy to have kids. Like, all right, I just need to calm down. The mother just said something to me. Mm -hmm. Do that? Does that work with the younger girls who maybe don't have kids or anything? Um, so I would say there is, it's the combination of youth and not being a mother. Because we've also had young mothers who mm. their child is still young and literally they're still trying to learn so them giving birth didn't turn them into something right away just like when i had my firstborn i wasn't like oh i am a pro because yeah. i wasn't yeah but i learned you know and so i think um single not single moms people who are young and don't have children yes i think that there is some diff sometimes some difficulty in as I call, I don't want to say, especially when the kids are older, let's just say, you know, two or three year old, you start learning some Jedi mind trick that you have to know because kids are smart <laughs> and they, they're way, they can be way ahead of you. And you almost have to have had the experience to be like, nope, I'm yeah. already there yeah. and meet them there and, you know, kind of help them out and let them know like, Hey, I know what's going on. Yeah. But, um, I think definitely experience, it, it helps. In, yeah, yeah in, in that way. Now, just talking about parenting in general, because I think, you know, kids seem, I, as I've gotten older, I'll, I'll be 36 in July, and, like, mm -hmm. I got a son that's 13. Mm -hmm. And so one thing I've learned, and especially also sometimes seeing people that are older than me, that parenting and, you know, even the daycares you go to have such a crucial effect on, like, your development and that a lot of children, I, I'm like, I feel like I sound like an old man, but a lot of, you know, sometimes you see kids acting crazy or just even adults. Like, man, you needed proper raising mm -hmm. when you were, what does that have? Like, you know, you being a mom and you have to deal with your own kids and raise them and then you have to play, you know, maybe just a tiny part in time and raising other people's kids. Mm -hmm. What is your whole, you know, just like opinion on like people raising their kids? So one of the takeaways that I, well, things that I got to observe is when we would have let's say a parent dropping off their child in the morning and the child is screaming and all you know because they don't they quote don't want to come to school yeah. well as soon as the door closes behind them the child turns off their cry they're fine and all of that was a performance for their parent yeah um and then they're fine throughout the day everything's fine and then when their parent picks up then they turn the waterworks back on yeah. and, and so a lot of times there's a relationship between uh, parents and kids 
I don't know if it's a dance of, you know, show me you care about me Mm, mm. or, you know, because my own kids, you know, at home, I felt like I'm like, do this, do that. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, their teachers are like, oh, you know, they're angels and this (laughs) and that. And in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm okay with that. Y'all can cut up at home. I just need you to be okay in public. Yeah. And if this is your release at home, fine. So we found, I find that a lot of the kids who come to us, their parents will say, oh man, they did this, this and that at home. And I'm thinking like, well, they don't do it here. But I understand, you know, I'm thinking like, I get it. I understand because my kids do that too. So Yeah. That's interesting. I know um, how children, they seem, and that shows how smart they are Mm -hmm. because like they know what to do where and when to do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, because with you know my son you know ethan with him being in junior high there's a you know they were telling him that there's so many kids and his junior high starts in sixth grade like kids who are already on drugs or like really you know addicted to things alcohol and sex already Mm -hmm. so you know even it was crazy because we live in the suburbs and growing up in the hood we were just you know that was always like a group of people who did the sex and it was like them you Mm -hmm. know so as i've gotten older and then look at other people who have children who are literally doing things that I as a grown person have probably never been into. It's like you really get to see that raising children is really another word for is giving them the uh, the lenses on the world that they'll have and it's just interesting how you know a lot of places I think sometimes places like daycare may be the only place where they have that decent interaction or that decent place to be structured or whatever yeah I mean it feels like that too you know Mm -hmm. sometimes foul language will come into the into the scenario and you're like you kind of gotta it's hard to tell well you can tell a child hey you know what Um, that word right there we're not using that here because to them they're like oh well mommy and daddy say it all the time like it's commonplace yeah and so you walk a fine line of not telling a child, well, your mom and dad are bad, you know? So you kind of have to say, hey, well, here, it's not, you know, we don't use that here. Here's another word you can use, or this is, you know, here's what our rules here are. Um, Because, you know, there's a lot of things that might be happening at home. And, you know, you don't want to become the judge of, you know, their home life, even if it's, you know, now if it's something that is physically harmful or emotionally harmful to the child, then yes, we would we have to like intervene if we suspect things. But as far as you know, something like cussing, or um, maybe their parent smokes, and mm. you know, we do some type of health unit and we're talking about healthy choices, and let's say smoking is not great, and then they're like, oh, but my mom smokes, or you know, so you at least give them a being there gives them an alternate, I guess, view of the way life can be going yeah. without saying, you know, everything you guys are doing at home is awful. So you guys seem like you have to be masters of being able to, especially dealing with children. And cause to me, children also, they just tell on everybody around or whatever, they, whether they mean to or not. Mm-hmm. And so you guys have to be masters of being able to not be in people's business, mm-hmm. but also be able to keep things a certain you know keep things moving a certain way yeah how hard is that is that like something you have to because i know like you you deal with so many different kids who have so many different personalities Mm -hmm. being raised by two parents or so whoever in the environment is infecting the child so 
does it ever get a little hard having to like walk that line to where you don't you don't want to be in people's business or telling them how to raise their child or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I I I guess it would feel that way if you just started working in that, but because now saying now that I've been doing it for a while, you kind of just adjust every time. You f- yeah. you hear things, you figure it out, and you're like okay, and you adjust, and you kind of start knowing how to discern between hey, this is home culture. Versus, hey, this is a concern. You know, we have to do. Yeah. We have to do something about it. Now, is it you know? And I, you know, somebody, I don't. I'm not trying to get into anything personal, anything crazy. Mm-hmm. But what has been like, you know, some of the things where you had to, and like, just something that's light, if you can tell, where you had to like literally step in and be kind of like, hey, uh, you know, have to, you, you where you almost kind of probably had to tell a person like probably how to raise their. Have you ever had to do that, like? tell the person like man you need to do this like raise your child or do this so we don't have these problems or whatever does it ever come down to that um when the child is especially being like especially physical with other children Uh, one of the um i don't want to say concepts but one of the things is when the children come and like i said cross over the door and they're now they are now your like responsibility whatever problems occur that's like our problem. Mm. Like we have to figure it out because they're they're with us. And so some most things we try to just, you know, get it straightened out on our turf, on our grounds. But every now and then we will have to um, let parents know, hey, they've been slapping kids or <laughs> and, and, and the thing is too, as much as a child might be doing things you start feeling bad for parents because they might be aware, like, hey, you know what? I know my kid does this, and they don't know what to do about it. They don't know how to, you know, fix it. Or they're like, I have to work, you yeah. know? And whatever may have developed those types of behaviors in the child, one, is not the child's fault. Two, who knows if it's the parent's fault? There's things that just happen outside of, you know, what we can see because we only see them within those walls we don't go home with them there's a lot we just don't know yeah and so for the most part we try our best to have it be our problem figure it out on our you know where we are because a lot of times um parents are you know they don't know what to do and most of the time it's minor things i mean Mm. like especially and and some of it's developmental things like two-year-olds they're gonna bite not all of them, but yeah. it's just something that happens. Yeah. And they don't have to be mad to do it either. They can just be sitting next to someone and be like, hmm, I'm going to bite you. <laughs> and, and, you know, so in that way, when you tell a parent, you know, your child is biting. And and if I was, because I am a parent, in my mind, I'd be thinking, like, well, what do you want me to do? Like, especially when they're little like that. Yeah. So a lot of times we didn't trouble them so much like that. It was like, we got to figure out. If this child is biting, then we need to be sitting next to them all the time or give them something else yeah. to bite. So it's it, some of the things are really, they're our problem. Yeah. So. Are you a, um, would you say, you know, just working with children, and are you a master of patience or is your patience top notch? Like you can take a lot before you pop or? I, I think my patience is good. I think I have actually really good patience yeah. at work yeah. because I'm at work. 
And then you go out into the world. And then, you know, I feel like I could be better with my patients on the outside. I, I think I'm pretty decent, though, with yeah. patients. But at work, yeah, I'm, like, not a monk. But I can, like, you get desensitized to some things. So, if, yeah. you know, if you have someone who's having a tantrum and they're screaming, it really, you really don't care. Because yeah. you know, okay, well, when you're done with your tantrum, You'll be done. I mean, you know, we'll sit here until you're... And then the kids kind of catch on because at home, it's probably not like, oh, let's wait. Till you... It's probably like, you stop that right now or you're not going to... Yeah. No, we just sit there and let it ride till they're tired because it's exhausting to throw a tantrum. Yeah. Um, And it's easy for us to do because there's a, like I said, that whole, when you're the parent, man, it just, it's, it's different. Yeah. And so I think I have... A decent amount of patience actually now i know you know with all kids you know kids are lovable and you know they're so sweet but there's always that those occasional kids where it's like <laughs> man you know god help me but I, I don't know i don't really like you all that mm-hmm. much you're just i mean how do you deal with those kids so especially during like especially during covid like some that like to be bad and hit yeah. or do little honorary things or whatever i think it helps to I really think working in the field helps you to be honest with yourself and realize even when you become an adult, there are some people that you're like, wow, we really get along. Mm -hmm. And then there's some people you just don't mesh with, but you still have to be, you know, respectful. And and that's in day-to-day life. You still got to like, you know, so it's easier with kids because I'm like, you know, they're still trying to, I don't want to say find themselves, but they're still trying to figure things out and so you don't take it as personally as you would mm. some of the things if, if it was an adult doing it you yeah. know then you're like come on but when they're kids um and there's some unfavorable traits or whatever um i think you have to uh i don't want to say forgive yourself but be okay with saying in your mind like man i sure don't like when that kid does that or that drives me crazy but then you still have to put on your professional hat. Have to have control and, and everything. Yeah. Be like, this is this is really the um, the classroom is kind of just like a sampling, or like a, a scale model of society. Like, yeah, <laughs> here's this person. Like, there's like a representation almost for every person you know, in the classroom. Okay, so um, have you um ever came into a situation? Where you've had to be like, God help me. I'm about to do a Jedi <laughs> Vader choke on it, lift him up in the air. Like, you ever have that kid that spit in your face? or? Well, see, so this is when you say Jedi. There are things that you can, if you're paying attention and you're really in sync, you can see coming. So one thing is, no, I've not been spit spit on. Yeah. But I know it happens. But there's been kids that I'm like, mm, you're, you're totally gonna try spit so i'll make sure that i'm not i you know so i kind of deal it, with them yeah. right because i don't want to get spit on who does there's yeah. kids who um kick and hit and one of the craziest sentences that seems to work and i don't know why is when they're coming at you and they're mad about something i'm like oh i don't get hit I don't know why, but they're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, and they're still mad, yeah. but it's almost like, wait. They redirect it. Because they're, you know, they're kind of like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, I don't get kicked or hit. So, like, you can bring that over there or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, because uh, in my mind, I'm like, you know, you're still 
a human yeah. and you shouldn't be getting hit and kicked by um, anyone. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when I tell them that, well, yeah, I don't get and, and I quietly in my mind, I'm thinking I want to follow up, but I don't say it. I want to say so-and-so might let you kick them. <laughs> Your mom and dad might. And, you know, but I don't. I'm just like, I'm one that I'm not getting hit. And for some reason, that seems to be like, oh, okay. You they know. just take it along. Which, you know, like I said, that's one of those along the way little things that I'm like, oh, man, that worked. And so, you know, I'll keep that in my pocket and whip yeah. it out whenever, you know, certain things come up like that. All right. So I got. I don't want to keep asking you a question. I no, feel like I'm drilling you. So... What is one thing, because so before we wrap up, like, mm-hmm. what is one thing that you wish that people took serious about early childhood or just in the profession you're doing, seeing kids grow and just go through their phases? What is something you wish if anybody heard this, like, what is from you working in that profession so long? Like, what is something that people should know or should take serious about dealing with children, especially in their de- more developmental phases? Um, That one and people have probably already heard this sentence. It's not. It's not a babysitter. And I'm not saying things bad about babysitting, but it is so much more than babysitting. Yeah. Um, and like I said, most places are required to do a lot of documentation. There's observations we have to do. There's charting, you know, to chart development, because if there does seem to be some type of problem with development, we want to be able to call in the correct people to do interventions. Um, uh, also, that the the teachers, most teachers are are emotionally um, invested in in your child, and um, sure, you know, you drop them off, mm-hmm. they go to school, you, you're paying good money most of the time. Um, you want them to be having a, a great experience, and for the most part, most teachers that's what they're trying to do because they want they also want to have a great experience, and who wants to be um, the caregiver of a you know sad boring class or yeah, yeah. you know so um and and that it is it's hard work i will say that it's hard work but it's very um it's rewarding and that it it outweighs the hard work that's good well i appreciate having you on and like i say if anything changes i like to have people back on just to give other people that may listen and like the episode a follow up and see how things have changed but if you wouldn't mind, we'd like to have you on at some time, and I uh, appreciate you joining us. Okay, sure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Uh, uh, enjoyed you. <laughs> All right. Catch you guys later.